So excited to be with you guys today. Um, uh, today we're going to talk about overcoming communication blockers. Pastor Micah has uh, spent the last couple of weeks, the first week he talked about empathy and how to look at things from the other person's point of view. And then last week he talked about conflict resolution and uh, how to overcome that. So today we're going to talk about overcoming um, uh, conflict blockers. So this is our... Um, our uh, series graphic, and you can see that it's keys. Keys are extremely important in our life. I, I probably would fair to say that most of you have a key of some kind on your person right now. Would I be fair in saying that? Because keys are very important. This is a key that I uh, bought, it goes to a lock. And um, uh, recently, at the beginning of uh, last part of June, early part of July, I went to Panama. And so in Panama, the first night in country, I went to go so I could go out to the jungle for a couple of days, go to the islands for a couple of days and meet some pastors and just see what we could do to maybe help them in the future. And, um, but the first night in country, I stayed in a hostel. So in a hostel, you are sharing a room with like six other ladies and stuff like that. So you have all your valuables and stuff. So they have lockers out in the hallway so that you can put your valuables. So I went across the street to, uh, to the um, grocery store and I bought a lock. And uh, so that, and it had a key and so that I could put my stuff in the locker so that I could put all my valuables in there, anything that was of value, you put it in the locker, lock it up, and then you, you got a key. So now all my stuff is in the locker. Of course, now this key is really valuable. Before it was worth, you know, I don't know, a dollar or something. Now it's worth a lot of money because keys are extremely important in our lives. So I had this key, lock up all my valuables and do that. And even more so when I got ready to go to the jungle, you know, you have to go in with a backpack and just what you have um, on, on your back. So I took everything that I didn't need and all the valuables that I didn't need and I put them in this locker because they allowed me to leave it there for a few days while I went into the jungle so I could come back and get it afterwards after a few days um, away. So now I'm like, okay, I don't have a key ring. I'm used to having the key with me. I gotta put it somewhere safe. So I have my, my little uh, bag, my purse that I have, you know. So, you know, when you're, when you're traveling abroad, you're like, you're obsessive over, can I see my passport? Do I have my hand on my passport? Okay, now there's this key and my wallet. So I've gotta keep, keep it right there. But what if I like drag stuff out of this in a hurry and get the key? What if I lose it on a bus or in the, you know, you have to take a, a bus, then you gotta take a, a truck through the jungle and it's bumpy and stuff like that. Then you got to get on a boat and you got to go forever. There's lots of places I could lose this key, but this key is now super valuable and I've got to protect this key, right? So have you ever lost your keys? It's like the worst, right? <laughs> so I'm like protecting this key and make sure that you have it because now this key is extremely valuable. And so that is the same thing in our lives. We have to be able to protect the keys. Having the keys that we need is extremely important in our lives for healthy communication. We need to be able to use this key to pull the valuable things out. When I came back from the jungle, I you know, just checked it just to be sure. I was on a public bus for a long time. And then I took an Uber and got all the way back to the um, hostel and like, okay, finally, I walked in the door with the key in my hand, knowing that I can go get my stuff now. Because all the valuable things that I had put in the lockers, then I could get them out because I could access them because I kept my key to the valuables. And so we need to be able to use the key to be able to put the val pull the valuable things out of the inside of our lockers whenever we need them in our relationships. Amen? And so that's what we're going to talk about today. And um, so com overcoming communication blockers. See, communication is not what you say, it's what they heard and think you said. So it's not actually, that perception is reality, I could say it that way too, but communication is not what you say, but it's what they heard and what they think you said. 
And um, also, communication is only 7% words. Only 7% words. It's 38% tonality, and it's 55% body language. And so our communication is extremely important. The, the problem is in our relationships is we have uh, way too much miscommunication. You ready to have any miscommunication in your relationship occasionally, sometimes, this morning, on your way here, possibly? <laughs> miscommunication is a failure to communicate adequately or uh, properly. And so all, with all the keys to, um, to healthy communication, they all have to do with timing. We're gonna talk about communication blockers, but every single one of them have to do with timing. Timing is everything. I have said that a hundred times. My daughter is like shaking her head because I've told her her whole life and she's now almost 30 and she knows that I say timing is everything. And, um, and this, she probably has heard this a hundred times too. The right thing at the wrong time is the wrong thing. You might be exactly accurate with your facts and figures that you are taking to the person that you love and it may be exactly right in everything that you're saying, but if you're saying it at the wrong time, it is the wrong thing. And so you have to be able to realize that timing is everything. So um, what you're saying at the time could be right. You might be exactly right, but if you're saying it at the wrong time, you need to um, figure out that timing is wrong and overcome those communication blocks. So this scripture says this, I love this. This is Proverbs chapter 25, uh, verse 11. It's in the Message Bible. And it says, the right word at the right time is like a custom-made piece of jewelry. And a wise friend's timely reprimand is like a gold ring slipped on your finger. So a right word at the right time, it's not like just some costume jewelry, some bling bling that you have, but it is a custom-made piece of jewelry that's made just for you. That's how important a right word at the right time is in your life. And so um, there's lots of blocks to communication, to healthy communication. We could, we could spend all the rest of the time talking about all of the blocks, but I only pulled a few. Just in doing some research with this, um, a lot of them overlapped, and so I'm only gonna bring you a few today, and, uh, and we're gonna try to overcome these blocks today. But the first one, I don't know, it might be happening to me right now, but we'll see. Um, hunger. <laughs> hungry people are grumpy. And um, if, you are, if you are hungry and you can't, you can't focus, just, just ask my husband. <laughs> Every evening around six o'clock, there's the question. What is that question? What's for dinner? <laughs> so I, I, I want to eat like every, every, I have to eat something every three hours. If it gets close to six o'clock and we're having, trying to have other conversations that aren't about what's for dinner or what we're having, I'm like, I want to get to what is for dinner. Just pick something. We have gotten, we have boiled it down to HelloFresh meals. They have pictures and everything. Just pick a picture. We're just going to move on with this right now. We're going to cook whichever one you say, just, just point to which one and we're going to make that. That's what we're making for dinner. <laughs> Because that makes it better and you can eat on time because have you ever had to try to, um, you ever tried to deal with a toddler that is really hungry and you haven't fed them yet? Have you ever seen them melt down to like, yeah, sometimes we're that toddler and we melt down and you can see it behind our eyes, but we're trying to do that and you're trying to pick something. There's probably more fights between married couples about what's for dinner or where we stopping to eat or something like that, probably on a daily basis. Am I right? You guys are all nodding. Okay, you're right there with me. <laughs> so that's the first communication blocker we have to overcome. The second one is being tired. So um, when you are tired and exhausted and physically spent, Thinking rationally just goes right out the window and defense mechanisms come in the window with a vengeance in our life. And so have you ever tried to um, 
communicate with somebody that they are really tired and now you're trying to focus on what they're saying, but like they're talking 100 miles an hour and all you want to do is just decompress for a few minutes and gather yourself. Or your kids come in and they're talking, blah, 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 and they're trying to talk to you and you're like tired. And it's like, Timing is everything. <laughs> just, you know, just hold on, just give me a second. Let me, let me just uh, decompress for a minute. Sometimes you don't have it and you have to roll with it, but when you're tired, it is a communication blocker. Um, students, ever ask your parents for something when you're tired? <laughs> um, also, when, when you're tired and stuff, I, I think I have this problem and it happens a lot, apparently, because I, I drop my phone a lot when I'm tired, especially when I'm tired. If, if, you know, I'm like in the car and I'd like to think I've got my pocket and I drop it down behind the seat and it goes into the abyss of somewhere under your seat that you don't know where it is or if you'll ever find it ever again in your life. But every time I drop it, Paul says, was that your phone? Like he can, I can be in the bathroom or something like that. I got my pockets or whatever like that. And he hears it hit the floor and I can hear from the other room say, was that your phone? Sometimes it's not the right timing for that. (laughs) I have some communication for you and it's certainly not healthy communication at that moment, (laughs) okay? (laughs) But you have to to just realize, you have to just pick the times that you need to have healthy communication. And most of the time it is not when you're tired. (laughs) The third one is mind reading. Mind reading. You think he should remember that thing that you told him that's very important to you? He don't, don't. You think that she should know by now that thing, that what you think about that thing? He don't. You think that your kids should know that what you think about that thing, they, 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 you've told them a hundred times and you know, what that, you know they should be able to look at your face and tell what you're thinking. They don't. They're oblivious to the whole thing. You know, growing up, I used to, uh, we went to, I mean, it was very much part of our church and my mom, my mom played the organ in our church and my dad played guitar. They were on the, you know, leadership team and stuff like that. But I always wondered, why is mom so mad on Sunday mornings? Like we go to, she's so nice to everybody else, but on Sunday mornings, she's so mad. Why is she mad? Until I had kids and had to get them ready and get them to church on time and everything is happening and you get them in the car and you're like rolling up and your hair's like, did I even brush my hair or whatever? And you come in, you're like, oh, that's why mom was mad on Sunday mornings. You know, I, they can't read your mind. So that is, that is just, uh, we could just camp here and just spend all the rest of the time right there and do a counseling session, but we want. But don't let mind reading block your conversation because they can't read your mind. Clearly communicate what you want to talk, what, what you're feeling or what you're saying or whatever, because if you're just, well, he'll just know because I'm mad and I won't talk, you know, whatever. He's not, he can't read your mind. Just tell him, tell her. Tell your kids, be clear with your communication. And uh, we'll just move on from that because we could stay right here. But the next one is passive aggressive behavior. That kind of led into it just a little bit. And so if you want to shut down communication fast, just make make some jokes about your wife's cooking or about her outfit. (laughs) Or ladies, you want to shut down some communication, just make some digs about the decision of, of um, of your spouse. Well, if he would have just done what I said, he made that decision instead of this one. So if he would have just listened to me, we wouldn't be in this mess. See how good that works out for you. (laughs) You know, or correct him or her or your kids in public often and see how that blocks your communication. If you have, um, you know, passive aggressive behavior, it's gonna shut down communication. Your kids will shut down and they'll stop talking to you and they won't tell you anything. So, and in the same way, 
Um, you don't wanna be over the top this way passive and over the top that way being too aggressive. And then the last one we'll talk about today is using aggressive speech. This is like raising your voice, blaming each other, criticizing each other, dominating the conversation where the other person can't even get a, a word in edgewise. You ever had that? Somebody just comes in and drops a grenade on you and then leaves the room and you don't have a chance to like respond at all. You know, so that is, that is not helpful. When this happens, you're not getting anywhere. And the other person is in defensive mode or they're in shutdown mode. At that point, you're not communicating at all um, anymore. So um, there's a couple of scriptures that I have for you. And Colossians chapter four, verse six says, let your conversation be gracious and attractive so that, so that you will have the right response for everyone. Wouldn't that great? Would just, just, if we just did this and went home and only did this this week, well, how, what kind of a difference would that make in your relationships that are most important to you? That let your conversation be gracious and attractive so that you will have the right response for everyone. Um, the next one is um, Ephesians chapter four, verse 29. says, don't use foul or abusive language. Let everything you say be good and helpful so that your words will be an encouragement to those who hear them. And then the last scripture here is Ephesians 4, 31 and 32 says, get rid of all the bitterness, rage, anger, harsh words and slander, as well as all the types of evil behavior. Man, it puts that in the whole category with evil behavior. Isn't that interesting? Anger, harsh words, slander, bitterness, rage, um, all of those things, as well as all types of behave, evil behavior. Instead, be kind to each other, tenderhearted, forgiving one another, just as God through Christ has forgiven you. You know, some of us need to just print these out and put them on our fridge or put them on our bathroom mirror to just you know, remind us of those things because you know, life happens. Some of these communication blockers, you're gonna like go through a couple of them before the sun goes down today. <laughs> and that life happens, things happen, and we're not perfect in all those areas. But at least we can like give ourselves a check. And the best thing to do is give ourselves a check with the word of God, because it is the one thing that is gonna be true in our lives that we can say, I need to stand on this scripture. I need to remember that I need to, uh, to be kind. I need to remember that all of those harsh words or those types of behavior, I mean, he's grouping it in with evil behavior. You know, I'm thinking about those things and putting that in our lives. And um, I've identified, we've identified some of the communication blockers. So now we're gonna talk about how to overcome them. Uh, we have a book that we use for premarital counseling here. And in the um, chapter about communication, it, um, it says it this way, that m the most effective way to communicate is setting an atmosphere of awe. A-W-E, awe. And so um, we're gonna unlock these three lockers with the things that you need to have. The first one is affection, the W is for warmth, and the E is for encouragement. And even though they use this in, um, in, in the a realm of talking, in the context of talking about uh, your, a marriage relationship, this is true for any relationship at all. So if you make deposits, if you have the keys, that's extremely important, and you unlock this, and you put your valuables, and you fill this up, and make deposits, make deposits into this, into the every one of these sections, on the regular, on a regular basis. Then, you, when you make emotional withdrawals, you won't be emotionally bankrupt, um, because a lot of you're running on empty, or you're running on emotionally empty, and you're bankrupt. You have to make deposits 
of all three of these things over and over and over again, that they're full, that you can access them when you need it to, that you're never running on empty, that you have access, you have the keys right there at your disposal that you're using those to be able to make deposits in the people's lives that you love. Have you ever been overdrawn on your bank account before? Things happen, maybe there was an error with your finances or something like that and you like uh, overdrawn and now you've got checks written out or something like that and it gets, it starts to where it bounces and all these fees come up. Anybody ever had any broke days? Yeah, I remember those broke days, something like that happened, you know, when you're in a financial difficulty and it's so stressful to be overdrawn on your checking account. And it's so stressful to be overdrawn on your emotional bank account. You just can't afford to do that. You have to be able to fill it up and fill up your um, emotional bank account. So the first locker is the A and it's affection. So affection, and we'll get to that in just a minute. So affection, this refers to, I can, oh, I can go back, bam affection. Stay right there for a second. So this refers to the basic human need of love, to love, and to be loved at the core of who we are. Because see, we were created in God's image and God is love. Okay. And so the scripture says it um, here in Genesis chapter one, verse 27 says, so God created human beings in his own image. In the image of God, he created them, male and female, he created them. And then in 1 John 4, 16 says, we know how much God loves us and we, have, and we have put our trust in his love. God is love. And all who live in love live in God and God lives in them. I, I, I really wanted to like spend all the time in this one chapter. I encourage you to go and just, just bask in this whole chapter, but it's really good. But this tells us that you know, at the core of who we are as human beings, we were created in God's image and God is love. So that we need to do that in our own. And so it's not only romantic affection between a couple, but in any relationship, it's hugs. You know, we really, as a human, as human beings over, especially the year 2020, when it was like there was so many people that we couldn't get hugs from, that really changed a lot of things. People were depressed from it. And they dealt with a lot of mental um, uh, you know, mental issues uh, because of that. Our mental health was affected by that. And to give hugs, to be able to um, sit together on the couch, to be able to cuddle with your kids on the couch, to be able to uh, put your arm around your mom, you know, all of those things, that affection is extremely important in our lives. My dad will still come up to me and, and rub my shoulders when he's anywhere around me. He comes and does it. And he does it vigorously because he thinks it's gonna annoy me. And I'm like, yes, could you please? I'll give you about 30 minutes to stop. <laughs> you know, he always does that. And he would resist the urge that when I was little, I, my mom always put my hair in pigtails and he would take my pigtails and ride them like a, he would pretend that was his motorcycle handlebars and make sound effects and everything. So for me, that was that was a affection, he was showing me that he loved me. And it was so much more powerful than him telling me that he loved me. And so that's, you know, when you're doing those things for your kids and the people that are in your life and, um, and showing that affection is extremely important. It is a very powerful nonverbal form of communication in any relationship. And you don't have to mix it up with having a love language of touch. Some people have a love language of touch. I don't, but you still, have, you still want to have that affection. So don't just dismiss it and say, well, you know, uh, my spouse or my mom or my kid, their love language isn't touch, so I don't have to show them affection. And that's not true. Everybody needs that affection because that's the way God created us, to love and to be loved and to have that as part of our lives. So don't underestimate that. The second locker that you need to make sure that keeps filled up and, uh, and to guard the key and make sure that, that is um, 
that is kept safe is warmth. So um, warmth is about having a warm tone in your relationship. When your communication is warm and welcoming and cheerful, uh, then your relationships can thrive. But when your communication is negative and critical and just full of complaints, it isn't warm. That's not warm at all. That's pretty cold. (laughs) So you're going to have some things to overcome in difficult relationships, but setting a warm tone as often as you possibly can, it's going to add up those deposits, just filling up those deposits in the people that you love into the relationship so that the withdrawals aren't so painful. If you have to take a withdrawal, if you mess up, some of the communication blockers come into place, you're a little bit hangry someday and you have to like apologize for the things that you said when you were hungry (laughs) or tired or passive aggressive behavior, then it doesn't hurt so bad because you're keeping these full. You're keeping these lockers full. And so that is extremely important because since most communication is nonverbal, we said before that words are 7%. Tonality is 38%. Body language is 55% of communication. And so we're going to take a little uh, detour for a second, and we're going to talk about um, softening your nonverbal awareness. And so here are some things that you can do. This is nonverbal awareness, but as you're uh, navigating relationships, um, the S in soften is smile. You know, when you're sitting down, smile. Get that like scowl off your face, that terrible look, that, you know, whatever. Just Smile, tell your, tell your face, that, okay, we're gonna make this okay, even though I'm really mad at you right now. We're gonna deal with this. So just smile, have, have that. and put, it put, Smiling puts people at ease. It is a universal language. No matter where you go in the whole world, that's the first thing you do is just smile at people. Even when you don't speak the language, smile at them. It puts people at ease. And it will do the same in your relationships, sitting right there with the people that you love when you're trying to communicate with them. The O is for open posture. And open posture is just like, don't, don't be defensive. Your defensive posture is cross your arms and take a step back. That's what people do. You'll see it in movies or you see it. And I, I, I see this in like, I, I like reality TV. I do. I like, I like Survivor. I like Big Brother. I like, you know, so, but that's one thing that you see over and over again. When they get in scoffs or they get confronted with something, they cross their arms and they take a step back or they even try to just ignore the whole thing that's even happening. If I turn around, they won't see me, you know, and, and their communication. So open posture, don't cross your arms. It's defensive. So just, you know, do this. And I have to watch that because I'm cold natured. So my cold natureness is when I'm cold, the first thing I want to do is cross my arms because I'm cold. But it comes off to somebody who's looking from across the room as I'm closed off and uh, my posture is not open. So keep an open posture, especially when you're trying to communicate with your kids, with your spouse, with your mom, you're trying to have a conversation, then keep your posture open. Um, F is for uh, forward, and that just means that you're going to lean forward. You're going to sit, and you're going to be attentive as to the conversation. And so when you're, when you're talking with your kids, um, if you're towering over them, and they're little, you know, or most of them are little. Some, some kids are bigger. Some, people, some of them outgrow you, and they're taller than you now. But e- either way, get on their level. If that means that you have to sit on the floor or get down on their level, get on their level so that you can uh, be right there with them. But be attentive or forward lean is that, that you are not like trying to get Get away from the relation, you know, the conversation, but you're leaning into the conversation so that your communication and it helps your um, nonverbal awareness. The T is for territory. Territory is also the the um, the other side of that is don't get in people's personal space. You ever had anybody get in your personal space? It's like, oh my gosh, could you back up and you could benefit from a tic tac? I mean. <laughs> 
Here's a tic-tac, take a step back and let's talk about this. People sometimes don't, don't go with those boundaries, so just make sure that you are giving people their space. Arms length, there you go. I know we were talking about this yesterday. Paul's like, I really like to just continue the six feet distancing because I don't want anybody in my personal bubble <laughs> when we're out in public. Okay, so, um, and then the E is for eye contact. Look people in the eyes when you're talking to them. Don't you know, look to the side. When you're trying to communicate and you're trying to talk about something, especially when it's serious or you're really trying to get your point across, look them in the eye. Make sure that they have your undivided attention. And then N is to nod and use their name. People like to hear their name. And especially the people in your house. Like not only when you're trying to meet people new, you should use their name, but this is, I'm talking about relationships, the people that you love the most, the person that you call mom, the person that you call honey, you know, whatever those names are, use their names. People like to hear their names. And so when you do that, it puts a little bit more of an emphasis on it and it endures people to you. Now, if you're, if you're being passive aggressive and you use middle names, you might want to like back up a little bit about that. Overcome those, you know, <laughs> those communication blockers and let's get back on track with it. Just use their name, not all of their name and not with a really loud voice, right? <laughs> so that is softening your um, nonverbal awareness. Okay, so that was our little side trip. So now we're going to talk about encouragement. This is the third locker that you have to fill up, make sure you got the key to and that you're um, keeping that on track. Um, encouragement builds people up and helps people to maintain a sense of emotional security. So speak kind and encouraging and empowering words to your spouse, to your kids, to your parents. It builds confidence in your relationship. And um, this, is, this is extremely important. This might be the most important thing that I say today, but that confidence keeps away those voices that make that person wonder, am I enough? You know, um, because the enemy would like nothing more than to tear you down and he constantly makes you think and comes with those voices in your head that are in first person that says, I'm not enough. I'm not good enough. I'm not tall enough. I'm not smart enough. I'm not educated enough. I'm not enough, whatever that is. And the more that you can in your relationships shush those voices in their heads and make sure that they know you think they are enough. So let's go to um, uh, Colossians chapter three. We're gonna read several scriptures here, 12, 13, 14, 15. Uh, so verse 12 says, since God chose you to be a holy people, he loves you. He, you must clothe yourselves with tenderheartedness, mercy, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. So if you can just think about this is you're clothing yourself, you're putting on all of those things. Um, verse 13 says, make allowance for each other's faults and forgive anyone who offends you. Remember, the Lord forgave you so you must forgive others. We are such an offended species right now about everything, but make allowance for each other's faults. And you know, we do crazy things. We're gonna have those communication blockers. We're not gonna have it all together. We're gonna mess up, but make allowance for each other's faults and forgive anyone that offends you. Remember the Lord forgave you so that you must forgive others. Verse 14 says, above all, above everything, Clothe yourself with love, which binds us all together in perfect harmony. Clothe yourself with love. If the more that you do that, the more that we act like Christ, the more that we can say we are Christians because we act like Christ. Some of us are Christians, but we, sometimes we don't act like Christ, you know, that we are doing that in, in our lives. And verse 15 says, and let the peace that comes from Christ rule in your hearts for as for as members of one body, you are called to live in peace. 
and always be thankful. It is an amazing place to have peace in your relationship, to have peace in your home, to have peace with your parents, to have peace with your children. In the relationships that you have, it's just there's nothing like having that peace. And that's where it comes from. We have to keep these full over and over again. That we have to fill these up, make deposits, keep all of our valuables, keep them filled up all the time, and then be able to access the keys that are important to be able to unlock those things when we need to make a withdrawal, to unlock those things, to access um, all of the things that we talked about today, to keep them full in our lives. Now, the next question you might be asking is, what if I've taken the walk around? Like Pastor Mike talked about in the first week with empathy. What if I've done that? What if I've attempted to resolve all the conflict? What if my communication is good and all the things you talked about today, Tammy? I'm doing okay with that. I'm overcoming those blockers, but overall, they're all good. But I'm the only one that seems to be working on the relationship. The other person keeps taking advantage of me and, uh, and it seems to be unhealthy. So how do I know when enough's enough? Well, if you're asking that question, you have to come back next week because Pastor Mike is gonna be talking about <laughs> boundaries in relationships. And so make sure that you come back and do that. So I wanna just leave you with a challenge today. And the first part of the challenge, there's two parts of it, two questions I want you to ask, is number one, ask yourself, do I clearly communicate to them that they are enough? The relationships, the people in your life, do you clearly communicate to them that they are enough? And the second question is, what things will you do this week to create an atmosphere of awe, A-W-E, in your relationships? What are you gonna do this week? I want you to think about that. And uh, for all of you, I'd like for you to just stand.